One of the first things that I find is a real big mistake with people when they're first writing how to write copy is they bury the important stuff later on in the copy. For example, what you often find is that the thing that should be in the front at the beginning of your copy is somewhere in the middle or to the end of it, or even just a few paragraphs in. And I always tell people this cute little story, I think, about famous director Frank Capra. Frank Capra is one of the most famous directors in movie history. He directed movies like It's a Wonderful Life, Lost Horizon, and a bunch of other things. He's the first director to win the five major Academy Awards all in one season. He did this one called Lost Horizon, which was about Shangri-La. And things were going along well. And as the movie is being made, they have what are called dailies, where they look at the previous day's shooting to see how things are coming along. That it was a good movie. It was showing well. When we put it all together, they had this thing where they'd show it as a complete movie to a walk-in audience that was dragged off of the street, not told what they were going there to see, could leave at any time, didn't have to pay. This is a tough audience, so mm -hmm. they did that to test. They still do it today, and they do that to test movies. He did this one with Lost Horizon, and they were walking out of a movie in the beginning. He couldn't figure it out. Well, somebody had screwed up and scheduled two previews accidentally. turned out to be a real good thing for uh, Capra. And he agonized over it, and the only thing he could come up with was that the first part of the movie just took too long to get to the interesting part, which is when he arrives at Shangri-La and discovers these people who are real long ages. It's like a paradise and everything. So what he did is that build-up to Shangri-La was on the first two reels of the movie. So he had the editor take off the opening credits, put it on the third reel, in essence removing the first two reels of the movie. And on the next preview they had, he used that to show it. They loved it. They came out. They just loved the movie and went on to win an Academy Award, several Academy Awards, I think. After that point, his favorite phrase was, throw away the first two reels. What he meant by that was, don't spend so much time in building up your story to get to the interesting part. Start with it. That's what he did from then on. That's what I find is the biggest problem with people writing letters. They don't get to the point right away. They don't put the most important thing up front. One way of saying it is, is fire your big guns first. And the reason for it is, is because if you bury the most powerful thing that you can say midway or to the end of the copy even, or anywhere even past the first few paragraphs, your reader may never get to that to discover what the powerful thing is that you say because they'll get disinterested way before that and leave. The beginning is the most important part. So put the most important thing you have to say, the most attractive thing, the most attention-getting, the most involving thing, the most curiosity-creating thing in the beginning. That's good advice. Now, that brings me to the subject especially very important in copywriting, and that's research. So how does one know what the most important thing to say is, and how does research play into that when you're a copywriter? Well, it's a good question. You first of all looking for some kind of a hook. What a hook is is a sound bite that just like hooks you into the involvement of the whole thing. Give me an example. If you're going to take on a client, you've got to know what this client has to offer. How do you go about digging out the research and finding those hooks specifically? There's no standard methodology. It's a matter of having a trained eye to look at it. Approaching it as a reader, as if you're learning, which you are learning, of course. So 
you have to like really pay attention to your own reaction to something. I'll give you a classic example, two classic examples, in fact, one by David Ogilvy and the other one by Claude Hopkins. Claude Hopkins was asked to do an ad for Schlitz beer. At the time, Schlitz was number seven. In his research, he was taken through a tour of the plant, and they showed him this fascinating room to him, which was the steam room that spilled the bottles and steam cleaned the bottles and got rid of all the bacteria. And he said, this is fascinating. Why don't you say something about this in your ads? He says, well, Mr. Hopkins, every beer manufacturer does this. Well, yeah, but none of them say it, and I never knew it. Anybody who doesn't know beer doesn't know this. So he featured that in his ad, and as a result of that ad campaign, sales of Schlitz beer shot from number seven to number one. It's a great illustration. As a matter of fact, on ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com, the collection of the 60 Claude Hopkins ads that I have up there, that specific ad is right up there as a sample in the sales letter, the actual ad. Yeah, you should get as much of Claude Hopkins ads as you can get a hold of. They're, they're absolutely crucial in your learning materials. The other one, example, is David Ogilvy in researching the Rolls-Royce, who's going to write an ad for the Rolls-Royce. He read an engineering report where one of the engineers complained about the ticking of the clock inside the Rolls-Royce and said that it was excessively loud and they had spent a lot of engineering and money on making the ride the quietest possible. And here's this darn electric clock ticking away inside. So David Ogilvy picked up on that and he wrote his famous ad which was 60 miles an hour, the loudest thing you'll hear in this Rolls Royce is picking up the clock. And when the engineer read that ad, he said, we've got to do something about that clock. Do you know what some of the results from that ad campaign were for Rolls Royce? It sold, I think, more Rolls Royces than anything they had ever done. It really put it on the map. And God, if you had bought a Rolls Royce then, I think they were only $15,000. Fifteen grand then was three years' salary for an engineer. You have to put these things all into perspective. That's the typical thing. Like, how did Ogilvy spot that? Why did Hopkins pick out the steam cleaning? It's just something that appealed to them. Ogilvy did another thing with Hathaway shirts. You have to have something that kind of like makes you stand out and be different and unusual and attract attention, but do it in a way which is people don't mind, they're not put off by it. He was traveling to do this shoot, and he he had the driver stop at a pharmacy, and he put an eye patch on the model. It became the famous Hathaway shirts or Arrow, but they sold millions and millions of these. Such a curiosity type thing. Why does this guy have an eye patch on his eye? Exactly, and that's what attracts your attention. What does it say? It says, well, yeah, well, why? It's like, do you make these mistakes in English? It raises curiosity. It involves people. They want to know more. That's the hook we're talking about. You need to create a hook, something which says, what is that? I want to know more about that. What advice do you have for list selection? If you have a product and you have a market and you've done some sales copy and you don't really have anyone or you're not planning on doing any joint ventures and you want to select a mailing list, do you have some advice that you can give me on things that you've learned from your experience of buying mailing lists? I think it's probably not done enough anymore because of the Internet. Do you think the list rental business is really hurting since the Internet? I kind of think they are because I think the whole postal system is hurting. They're still doing good business, and you don't need to send them donations to help them get through the next year. But I think their business has cut down dramatically from what it did. But I think that business wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the Internet and computers anyway. It's kind of hard to judge exactly. As a for instance, I used to do a lot more faxing than I do now. I hardly ever use fax anymore. 
But I think that's a missed opportunity and an underused opportunity now because I think mail is even more important now than it ever was. Companies are using mail, but depending more on the Internet, which they have to have an Internet presence. But I think the perfect combination is combine them together. You remember my example of the first catalog I did with the Internet? Right. Like having that physical catalog there was much more important than having a website because it reminded them of it. That was the first example of how you really need to marry these two things together. Multi-source marketing, which is what I call it, is when you need to approach your prospective customer from more than one media. Before there was an Internet, we knew that if you had a newspaper ad running and put an ad up on the TV directing people to your newspaper ad, it would triple your response. By the same token, if you had a TV campaign and sent somebody a direct mail and directed them to, by the way, take a look at our commercial, it would increase response. TV Guide did something. Lester Wonderman put together this thing where he had something in TV Guide and the commercials point to get your issue of TV Guide and look in the blah, blah, blah. It was for Look of the Month Club, I think. He said, see our ads in TV Guide, and if you do, there's a box, this golden box there. And if you put this number on the screen in that box, you'll get a free book as part of your Book of the Month Club. And that worked well? I don't know the exact amount, but it's extremely successful. That's kind of like directing people through direct mail to directing them to the Internet. Exactly. So it is effective in using the mail to direct people to a website. Mm-hmm. What about list selection? Did you have some experience renting lists through SRDS or uh, list brokers? Yeah, yeah, I did. I just want to mention one thing is go back to what we said earlier about my client in uh, the U.K. who was selling his Internet membership site via direct mail. Most of those people who got his direct mail came in through a series of promotions that started with a newspaper or magazine ad. That was for another person, though. But at the end, he joint ventured with him and got the list of people after he had worked them and sold everything he could to them. My client promoted his membership site to him and signed up 300 people at $160 a month plus other services. You should definitely make the SRDS or similar book your uh, reading material. SRDS stands for Standard Rate and Data Service. Many of the better libraries have copies of them. Most libraries have copies of them in one form or another. They have different versions, however. Some are for magazines. What Standard Rate and Data Service does is they publish ad rates, and they also publish mailing list rates. They publish rates of what it costs to advertise in places. For example, they have one for TV stations. And if you want to advertise on TV, you look up the TV station, and it gives you the ad rate for the TV station. They have one for radio. They have one for other things, newspapers, magazines, radio, and TV. But they've got one called direct mail list rates and data. And direct mail, instead of the ad rate, they give you the rate to a mailing list. It shows you a lot of things. The most important stuff is how is the list generated, what did these people buy, how much does it cost. It gives you all of that information plus a lot of other stuff that's valuable. According to this three-point formula, recency, frequency, and unit of sale. Recency means how recently have they bought this thing. Frequency, how often do they buy it. And unit of sale, how much do they pay for it. And then you want to marry these three things together with something that someone has bought that is very closely allied to you. So, for example, if someone has bought a golf book before, 
In other words, that's how the list was generated. They bought this golf book. Those are hot clients for you if you sell a golf book. Recency is if they bought it last week. Frequency is this is the third book they bought from the same company. And unit of sale is the books average $29 each. The, the book you're going to sell is around $29. This is ideal for you. You're going to want to rent that list. That's everything you need to know about list rental, really. The only other thing is to just get a list broker because it's like buying real estate. It doesn't cost you anything. The list broker pays for it. The list owner pays for it. It's like the owner of a piece of real estate pays the real estate commission. Can you recommend a good printer, let's say, that book like we were talking about, Lawrence Tabak, or that Gary Halbert style, what is it, an 8.5 by 11 bound book? There's several specialty printers out there, and the thing you need to know about printing in general is that not all printers are created equal, that some are specialized in an area and can produce it cheaper for one thing than another, but that same printer can't produce another thing that the other printer can produce cheaper. And the reason for that is because the presses are customized for a particular type of printing. So something that made to print 8.5 by 11 perfect bound books is not going to do well for a 6 by 9 because the presses aren't set up for that. And they probably aren't going to reset the presses up. What they're going to do is they're going to go to a printer that does have a press set up for it to get them to do it, and then they'll just add a tap on an extra amount of money, which, of course, costs you more money. Do you know of any printer who specializes in that larger size, 8.5 by 11? Yeah, there's a company called Morris Publishing. This is really good because if you go to their website, they will actually send you out a whole kit that gives you the publishing rate. Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S? M-O-R-R-I-S Publishing. They'll do perfect bound. They do spiral bound. They specialize in two primary sizes, 5.5 by 8.5 and 8.5 by 11. What do you recommend if someone wants to write a book or sell a book? I know we talked a little bit about a larger book has more heft and more value, but the smaller one, who would you recommend use that and for what purpose compared to the larger one? The smaller one, you want to use if you can use it like a business card, which I highly recommend. In other words, being a published author, even if it's self-published, gives you status and authority that you don't have otherwise. And so rather than printing up a business card, print up a book. Tell people what you know. That's much more effective. Even if they don't read the book, they'll be impressed as hell that you can have a book. Absolutely. How many people have their own book? So rather than carry business cards around with you, carry a box of books in your car and give them out. You can also sell them, too, obviously, but to important prospects and stuff. Give it out. Why? Because it makes you the authority. People assign a high degree of authority, notoriety, and celebrity to authors. You're a writer. And if you're a published writer, that means that you're for real. It's like a celebrity. One of my partners just ran into a guy from one of the guys who appeared on the show. Troy? Troy, that's it. Troy's partner. He's talking to me. The interesting thing was that Troy lost to Bill and to Kwame, and Kwame and Troy are out there making over a million dollars off of deals that they got as a result of the show. Bill's making $250,000. The people who lost do well, too. And why is that? Because of notoriety. Look at Star Search and all of the other reality programs. A lot of those people are off making money, celebrity, because if you're on TV, you get celebrity. Well, appearing on TV is a lot harder than publishing your own book. I mean, it's instant celebrity status. Exactly. What are some tools you use on a daily basis 
to run your business that you'd want someone to know about? The primary tool I use, of course, is the Internet, the computer, the website. World Wide Web and email, obviously, are an integral part of that. Beyond that, there are tools within those tools. What Internet browser do you use? I use Windows Explorer. I actually had preferred Netscape up until a few years ago when it pretty much got impossible to get onto some websites. How about email program? What do you use? I for use you? standard Windows Network uh, Express. How do you use a email blocker or a spam blocker? I use MailWasher. It's a free program. I'm probably going to upgrade to, it's only about 20 25 bucks upgrade, and I haven't done it yet. Mailwasher, I could find it at mailwasher.com? Yeah, I believe it's that. And you're pretty happy with it? More happy than I've been with any other solutions I've tried. Yeah, my biggest fear is I don't want important emails coming to me deleted. This is fairly safe that way. When you get to learn how to really use it, the primary advantage to it is it has a blacklisting capability, which means that it will assign email to categories. It has a friends list. You can set it up so that anything on your friends list doesn't show up on MailWasher. Or I could import my entire customer database into it. So if I ever got an email from one of my customers, it's not going to be washed. I think so. And it's pretty frustrating for me with all the spam and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's nearly impossible to get through a day's worth of email without spending all your morning. Do you use any other tools to answer your emails? I'm sure you're getting a lot of emails every day. Yeah, I probably get about four or 500 every day. That's why you know, mail washer is kind of a necessity. The reason it works is because mail washer processes your mail before you download it into your Outlook Express. So what mail washer does is it reads in the headers from two lines, subject lines, and from that you can, um, it also gives a category to the email. What you do is you bring up MailWasher before you bring up your email program, mm -hmm. Express, and you check mail, and it brings in all the mail, and it shows you the from line, the subject line, and a few other things, but it has a status, and each one is given a status. If it's on the blacklist, it's listed as blacklist. There's a filtering thing which says filtered, so I have certain things filtered, something like Viagra or Xanax in your subject line. Mm -hmm. It filters those out. And it has another thing called possibly spam and another one called probably spam, which is in the same category. Then it's got normal, and it would normally have friends list. And the way I have it set up is that people on my friends list don't even appear on MailWasher. They're just not there because I don't want to have to sift through people I already know I want to get mail from. I'm only looking for new stuff, people who have just written me, never written me before, or written me from an email address that's never been received before. So what I do is I order it so that normal is at top, blacklist is at the bottom, and possibly spam is in the middle. And by the way, this also catches viruses, puts them up at the very end. And so all I have to do primarily is go through the normals semi-carefully. Here's the first, I'll just give you an example. The first one has Vicodin and Xanax spelled with different letters, so that's all easily going. And what I do is I hit the minus button and it, it puts that into my blacklist. So anytime that person sends me in from now on, I'll never see it. Then the next guy here is John Astoraf, the street kid, and I do get stuff from him, but for some reason he didn't get all my friends list yet, or I just transferred to a new computer so some of the people haven't written me yet, so if I put him on my friends list. You just go through this, and then when you get through the normals, then you go faster through the possibly spam, and you basically don't even look at the blacklist, 
and then you just get processed. And what it does is it deletes and or bounces everything that you don't want. If it bounces it, it sends them a message that it didn't get through. They have to email address. But the bottom line, it saves you time. A lot of time. What do you use to record conversations? you got a digital tape player? What is it? I have a couple things. I've got a Ederol. Oh, that Ederol from Mike Stewart? Right. Can you record on that? You can record into the computer with it. Yeah. You do need a separate telephone patch. I've got two different ones. I've got a broadcast host by JK Audio, which is not working as well as I'd like it should be working. Also got another one. It's just another recording device. You can actually get something decent nowadays at Radio Shack. That works pretty well. Now you have two ways of recording. One is into the computer and the other is on a portable Sony digital recorder, which is a handheld. That's an IC recorder. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I have. Oh, ICD-MSI? i got an ICD-ST25. How many hours does this Two and a half on mono. Does it have a memory stick? No. This one has a memory stick, which I like, because on a 128K memory stick, I could store over eight hours of recording. And then you take the memory stick and put it in a reader, and you can read it into the computer. The advantage is that, for example, like we're recording here, if you exceed the memory stick's capacity, mm -hmm. you can take one memory stick out, put another one in, and then download your thing as you're still recording. So you're happy with that Ederol? Yeah, the Ederol's fine. My broadcast host, I'm not happy with. And this other thing, which doesn't have a name, in fact, comes from one of these spy outfits where you can surreptitiously record. Kind oh, modem spy? Do you have one that you download the software? No, no, this is actually a hardware thing. It costs a couple hundred dollars. You plug your recorder into it and you can record conversations. Okay. It's supposed to balance the volume of my side versus your side. That's the biggest thing in recording a telephone conversation. If right. one side is louder than the other, then you got to do it manually. The problem, yeah. The spy thing does it automatically. The broadcast host, you're supposed to do it manually, but I think there's something wrong with mine because I can't seem to balance it properly. Tell me, what are some of the best ways you found to use the Internet? First thing is concerning the Internet, that you really need to be conscious of how to generate traffic to your site. That's a big game of search engine optimization. I put off learning anything about search engine optimization for quite a while because, in my opinion, according to the people I talked to originally about it, it was a long road to get your site listed in search engines. It was difficult. Unless you were willing to pay somebody big bucks to do it for you or spend a lot of your time pursuing it, it's kind of like programming. You need to be doing it every day. Well, I wasn't willing to do that, but it's become such an important aspect of promoting online that I've totally switched gears and have been making over the past year a concerted effort in learning everything I can about how to generate traffic to a site. I know a considerable amount now. Is your most effective way through search engine optimization? There's no pat answer for that. I wish there was. What's uh, the best way for a guy who's not going to take a year to learn search engine optimization strategies that you could give him? First and best thing to do is to start writing articles and get mm -hmm. them distributed. You can do that quicker than anything else, assuming you have something people want to hear about. 
So they're distributed and hosted on other URLs. Yeah. How you get it distributed is use something called Easy and Announcer by Jason Potash. That's the easiest way. That's a piece of software you can buy. And it's used to announce your easy to the world. And it also has two primary uses. One is to announce your easy to all the sites that have directories for easy so you can promote your easy And the other thing it's useful for is promoting your article, getting it distributed onto sites that are directory sites for other people. So that, for instance, when you list your articles on these sites, people come to those sites regularly to look for articles they can put on their website mm-hmm. or put into their email or in their ebook. When you release an article, you're saying you can use this freely yeah. for content. Yeah, basically you're telling people they can use it freely as long as they don't change anything and keep the resource box, which is the box that has your link and your name intact. And people will take that, they'll put it on their websites, they will put it into their ebooks, they will put it into their email, they will basically make you famous. What's the site that hosts all those articles that someone who needs content for their site can get that stuff at? Where would they find that? It's not so much a site as it is a piece of software. I'll give you an example. This is one thing that everybody can do. You get your, I have my current recommendation, so I'm looking here. I don't think I have Jason's. It's a lot easier than telling somebody a whole URL over the phone. Just direct them to a site. And I'm not sure it's on this. So you found it to be effective, you said, to make you famous. Is, have you seen some examples of that? Oh, yeah. Well, take a look at Terry Dean, for example. He was delivering pizzas. He started writing articles and distributing them all over the Internet. Now, he's probably one of the most published authors on the Internet. He was so successful with this technique that he doesn't even operate his web business anymore. He's kind of retired, and it still keeps running for him. Because once they're published, they're forever. Yeah, it's like you can find Terry Dean's articles all over the place. He ain't writing anymore lately. Mm-hmm. He's the son of him in Florida. No, when he was doing it, there wasn't software. He was just using whatever he could come across, and people got to know him and came to him and found out where his articles. But Jason's software makes it real easy to distribute it because it automatically will send your article notices uh, and your articles out to all of these directory sites that are looking to post your articles there. I could probably use something like that with some of my recordings. Yeah, definitely work for that as well. Terry Dean talked about that in some interviews. That's good. That's good advice. Anyone who wants to do that, what advice would you say when you're writing an article, not only to have good content, but the whole purpose of the article is to direct them to somewhere? Yeah, but you don't need to do that, really. The way you direct them is, here's my formula. You want a formula for writing a good article. The first thing is make it very focused and specific. You want to write less than a 1,000 words, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 words is perfect. But take a look at some of the sites that publish, and they have some guidelines as well. But I think anything between 500 and 1,000 will get you safe. You want it on a very focused topic. In other words, you don't want to do it on Internet marketing. You don't want to do it on something very broad like golf. You want to do it on an amazing tip that will reduce your golf score by 36%. And it's just one thing. Do the one thing. Spend 500 to 1,000 words describing how to do this one thing or relaying this information. And then at the end of the article, say, for more information, see this site. Mm -hmm. And that's the site that you want them to go to for more information. That site doesn't sell anything either. That site gives them more information. 
but it directs them to other resources and other sites, which are hopefully yours, where you do sell something, or it signs them up for your easing, or somehow gets them on a list. The object of this whole thing, this whole exercise, the object is to have them get to be on your list so you can proactively get them a message on whenever you need to have them know about what you've got. See, it's kind of like, you know, my catalog sitting there on the person's desk. It reminds them. When it was on the website only, out of sight, out of mind, email allows you to say, hey, take a look at that catalog sitting on your desk. Now, I mean, figuratively, I'm speaking. You know, I mean, not that you have a catalog sitting on their desk and you're not reminding them of that necessarily, although you could do that. But what you're doing is you're reminding them, hey, I'm the guy who knows all about this golf swing thing and what I talked to you about in that article. And by the way, just found out this new thing that you can do. Go to this website and find that out. So the whole idea is get them on your list, obviously. What techniques have you found is the best way to get them on your list? How do you get them to enter that name and their email address, and or do you ask for more information than that? Offer them something of value in exchange. Give me an example. What's something you offer of value to get them on your list? An ebook, a piece of software that you have rights to. What my strategy is, I'm going to have a lot of people referring to it, and then I'll start capturing email addresses when I'm ready at some point. Scientific advertising tool, is it there specifically to offer value and to capture names? Yeah, although the capture mechanism isn't there, but do download the book, my name and link is there. It could... Takes them back to your uh, copywriting. Right. But you really need to capture the name, which I'm not currently doing at that site, but that needs to be there at some point and it's planned to be here. I just haven't done it yet. Now, there's another way to do it. All right, go ahead. Real good. And it's inexpensive to no cost, and that's to do joint ventures with people. If you've got a product and you don't have a list, find people who do have a list, ideal list for you, and do a joint venture. That's a little harder if you're kind of not well-known which is why one of the things you want to do is try to get as well-known as you can. Here's an effective way to do a joint venture. Don't approach the person with a joint venture first. Send them your product for free and say, Hi, my name is Joe Blow. I'm the author of the XYZ book on publishing, and I thought you might be interested in this. So I'm sending you a free copy of it as a download link. I normally sell this for $29.97. I've tested it. It does pretty well. I've got a really good sales letter. The sales letter is producing 9% return. 9% of the people who show up on the website end up in buying the book. By the way, if you think this would be appropriate to your list and you'd be interested in promoting it to your list, have an affiliate program. You can sign up for an affiliate program for free. You get a 50% commission. Now, what, the part that most people leave out is giving the product for free to the person so they can take a look at it. If you're wanting to promote your product to someone, then give them something. It's, again, the Chaldini principle. Yeah, well, I'm looking here at your scientific advertising, and I see right under it my Claude Hopkins collection. Exactly. Obviously, anybody who's interested in getting scientific advertising probably wants your Claude Hopkins collection, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Since we're on that subject, we had it at 149, and we're now testing it out at 79. Great. So it's even cheaper. Yeah, so it's even cheaper, and sales were kind of lagging. And I don't know, did you sign up as an affiliate? It's got my affiliate link in there. What a nice surprise. 
Those are two great strategies. Do you know anything about Joel Christopher, that master list building? I don't know anything about it. Is that stuff for real? Or? I don't know a lot about it either. He did speak at one of my seminars, and he's kind of well-known in the subject of list building. There are a lot of techniques in building lists, and he's been pretty successful in the co-reg business. I know that. And making that work. Co registration, gotcha. Right, well, co registration, various sites around the internet that kind of offer you something for free. It's like, you know, it's all over the place or a chance to win or whatever. Right. And you sign up and they've got a whole bunch of check boxes. And some of them are pre checked mm -hmm. and some of them are not. What that does is it puts you on somebody's list. The reason co-registration is because you're not registering for one person's list. You're kind of registering for more than one. Sometimes you don't even know you're registering for them. But that can be a can of worms, and you've got to be very careful where you step in that mind. The person I know who makes that work the best is Craig Perrine. He's speaking at our conference next month. It's like it's tricky to be able to do co-registration in a way where the people are not thinking you're spamming them. Yeah, they don't know what they're getting. Yeah, so it's not a real qualified name. You need to have a reliable source of those co-reg names. And there's no one I trust more in the business to do that than Craig Perrine. He's got a lot of integrity. The way they generate the list is the highest possible quality you can get. Some of the people who generate co-reg lists I'm not going to name companies because, quite frankly, I don't know them all. There are right. companies. Some of them are pretty schlocky. They'll sell you just about any name. They sell it to a ton of people. They'll sell it to everybody who comes by their site. Craig limits them to the name is never sold from any more than five people. So yeah, it's very expensive. Have you known some stories of some people who have made those lists work? I have never heard of anybody who's ever made that list. No, I mean the guy speaking oh, to Reg. Yeah. Yeah, the people making money all day long on that. Offering stuff to those lists. Yeah. You have to know what you're doing, like I said. And Craig will work with you on showing you how to do it right, mm -hmm. making sure that you're not going to be throwing your money away. They're looking for repeat customers. Nobody's going to repeat unless they're making money. Who else is coming to your seminar that really knows their stuff that you're proud to have there? Jeez, oh, everybody. Armin Morin has become the leading person on the Internet for creating traffic to a site. He's taken a program called Traffic Equalizer, which is a $150 program that most people are misusing and are probably going to end up in getting banned instead of getting traffic. And he's figured out how to do it so that people are getting huge amounts of traffic to their site. He's currently getting 3 million visitors per month to his site. It's all off of this traffic equalizing thing. The way Can you explain briefly basically what it does and how it works? Basically, the traffic equalizer tool sets up uh, search engine-like results pages for mm -hmm. you in your niche area. So, for instance, let's say you want to sell golf products, for example. It'll create literally hundreds of pages on the subject of golf. They're all results from the search engine feed. Like I said, that traffic equalizer gets, they create these pages and they put them on the website for you, or you put them on the website. It's pretty easy to do, though. On each page, there's a link that you can have, one link, like an affiliate code link. And you can also put AdSense, which are the Google AdWords that you make money from every time someone clicks. And I'm putting together one of these sites myself based on Armin's. I'm taking his course, basically. And I know people are personally making a few hundred dollars a day using sites like this. A few hundred bucks a day? A few hundred bucks a day. It's growing. There's not a lot of competition out there for it. 
Who else has come in? Alex Mondosian, who was kind of like the premier guy on converting traffic to sites. And Alex was at my first conference. He's just like Mr. Traffic Conversion. Using audio? Or what's his secret weapon? Well, he's got a few secret weapons, but audio is one of them. He and Armand and Rick Raditz are the three partners in Audio Generator. Right, I'm real familiar with that. Which is very successful, extremely, and practically everybody's using that. And the reason is because it increases response. And it's such an easy tool to use. I use it, even though most of my recordings on my site, I have my web guy turn them into Flash, but I use instant audio version all the time. Great. How do you do your streaming on your, your site? Well, I do the recording, like this recording. I'm recording it in Sony, and I'll save it as a WAV file. I'll do my editing in WAV. I'll convert it into MP3 at a certain megahertz rate, which is compatible with Rick Raddatz's thing if you want to upload it and encode it into a flash file. But I'll just upload those MP3s to my site. I'll let my website convert them for me and create a button. There's software. I can do it myself, but I just let him do it. So I do the editing. I get it up on the site in MP3. He converts it creates those little green buttons. You could copy and paste my green button off my site and copy it onto your site, and it'll stream from my site. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, it's nice. That's an interesting thought because, in reality, you could do an e-book like that, too. You could cut and paste that into an e-book and have the streaming go through someone's e-book. I know you can copy and paste it onto any site because I've done it. Have you been to the Claude Hopkins ad collection site recently? They call that. This is really cool. I had a guy, he was so appreciative of all my recordings, he sent me this CD-ROM of all these classic old radio ads from the 20s and 30s. A couple of them were using the same Claude Hopkins themes, like the Puff Wheat and Wheatberries. And I've got a sample of the radio ad up on my site because I'm using some of the ads as a bonus when you buy the Claude Hopkins ad collection. You could just copy and paste that off my ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com site and put that as a sample right there. There's so many possibilities with this audio, and I love it. Pretty exciting stuff. In the future, we're going to be doing something similar with video as well. So we were talking about people at the seminar. Mm -hmm. Now you were saying Alex Mandosi is great at converting traffic. Exactly. The theme to the seminar is traffic testing and tools. We've got Ken Giddens. This guy will blow you away. Last year, I had him get up and talk for about 30 minutes. He had a line of people waiting for him to learn more from him. What does he do? He's an expert on getting traffic to sites and building these little sites that make money off of affiliate programs. He's the guy who built Netscape's first website. He just knows so much about how to get traffic to a website. He keeps up on the latest information about things, and he's just a wealth of knowledge about how to get your business to work. And this guy makes a six-figure income with affiliate programs that you and I would probably never even do because there's not enough money in them. They have like 5% or 10% commission rates, and, you know, it's like, oh, who wants to be involved with that? We can make 50% selling an e-book. Ken just thinks the opposite. He thinks, well, I can send a lot more traffic to one of those sites and get their commission, even though the commission is lower. And he makes a six-figure income just doing that. So he's probably looking at it from a market standpoint. Yeah, but he's generally knowledgeable about everything you need to know about making your Internet business successful because he's done it all. You know that people who create HTML, there's a committee? Well, yeah. He's one of the guys they send the code to test. How old is the older guy? Kind of my age. Like How old are you, Carl? I'm in my 50s. I can't be sure. But he's not like a kid. He's not a kid, no. 
he's been coming to my seminars the past few years, and it's like after last year, I said, you got to come up here and talk. People want to know what you have to say. He's got a lot of good stuff. I mean, every time I talk to him, I'm on the phone. Bruce Clay is another guy. He's been in my audience for several years now. And one day I said, the search engine optimization stuff, there's a lot of conflicting information. Who is right? One person says this, the other person says the opposite. I don't know who's right, but I can tell you one thing. If they really know what they're talking about, they're going to rate high on the search engine. So I figured, okay, on the subject of search engine optimization, Who's the top guy here? I did a search on Google, and Bruce Clay came up number one. He consistently ranks in the top four, I think, with the new ranking system. They're kind of not as sure in the top one, but between one and four, he ranks up there. He charges like $14,000 to do a search engine optimization campaign. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think I've got a lot of good content, and we'll wrap it up right here. Okay. Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been great. All right, have a great day. You too. Thank you, God. It's Michael with Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com in another bonus tip. How would you like to turn your $28 book or ebook or even a concept in your head into a $3,900 information product? I'll provide you the secrets on how to do this. If you'd like a completely free 30-day trial of my system for turning your simple book or even just a concept in your mind into an information product that you can sell for $97, $197, or even as much as $3,900 or more. This system includes a whole range of tricks and tips to help you pack your audio program full of great stories that take control of your listeners' brains. My information product creation system comes with my personal guarantee that you'll create an information product worth from $97 to $497 that's designed to sell like hotcakes. This is a 30-day free trial. If you'd like information on this, please email me at michael at hardtofindseminars.com. In the subject line, write in all caps, $28 book, and I'll email you information on how to turn your $28 book or even a concept in your mind into a $3,900 information product. Hi, this is Michael Senoff with Michael Senoff, hardtofindseminars.com. Here is another bonus tip in a value service that I offer to select clients. If you can talk into an ordinary telephone, you can be selling your own high-priced audio programs in as little as seven days. This is the easiest way on earth to create a series of powerful audio recordings for your own information product. I call you on an ordinary telephone and interview you live on a series of related hot topics about your niche subject. I take care of all the editing, all the technical stuff and I give you the finished mp3s or WAV files and audio transcripts I only have time to give this deluxe personalized service to a few more carefully selected clients if you're interested in developing and creating your own valuable information product that you could have complete in as short as seven days and be selling for as high as 300 500 even 3900 dollars please contact me at Michael at hardtofindseminars.com. In the subject line of your email, please write info product information in all capital. Make sure I have your name and a way to contact you by phone and we can talk about your specific ideas. Or you may call me at 858 858- 
274-7851. Hi, it's Michael Sinoff here with another bonus tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. It's called an audio infomercial. Your audio infomercial, which I create for you, will sell more products of yours faster, easier, and for less cost than any conventional advertising method, and I guarantee it 100%. Imagine catching yourself at concert pitch talking about what makes your business or your product service unique, what makes it special. Imagine taking a professional recording of that perfect sales presentation that I create for you and giving it to your prospect as an audio CD or an Internet download from your website. I can do this for you faster than you ever thought possible with my personalized audio informational recording service. If you're interested in this unique service, please contact me at michael at hardtofindseminars.com. In the subject line of your email, in all capitals, write audio infomercial, and I will get back with you with more information. Hi, it's Michael Sinoff here with another tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. This tip is one that is dear to my heart. And the reason why is because I know what a difference it can make for your business. It has to do with editing your audio recordings. If you are using audio online or offline to sell, market, and educate your prospects, this tip will be the most important tip you ever hear from me. Editing your audio content before you publish it to your site simply gets better results compared to unedited audio content. Think about this. A new song on the radio may be in the editing studio for months before it's released to the public. A new movie may take years in the editing process before it's released to the big screen or on DVD. Well-written sales letters, online promotions, books, and commercials are all meticulously edited to perfection before they are released. You would never dream of releasing an unedited version of any of these sales vehicles. So why would you publish unedited audio? Unedited audio content is abandoned by the listener faster, it produces less sales for you, and it actually destroys your credibility as a publisher. So why are we seeing so much unedited content proliferating the Internet? The reason is simple. There are very few people who offer audio editing services who know what they are doing. Editing audio is kind of like plastic surgery. It's part skill and part an art form. You need someone with both the skill to do it and someone who understands marketing and selling. A poor result can be gained by both a skilled surgeon as well as a good technical editor. Who you choose to do your audio editing can be one of the best investments in your business. At Hard to findseminars.com, we have been editing online and offline web content for six years. We have perfected a proprietary editing system that has been proven to get your customers to listen to your audio content longer and 
to listen to it more often, resulting in more sales for you more often, and with clean, edited audio, you can demand more money for your products and services. It's just like in life. You only have one chance to make a first impression. Every time you release and publish unedited audio content, you are projecting a poor, sloppy, I-don't-care attitude that turns your prospects off. Do your prospects a favor. Service them. Give them your best. Do them a favor by giving them professionally edited audio messages, interviews, teleseminars, and selling promotions by editing your audio. We provide full audio editing services that are fast and at a reasonable rate. We know that editing your audio content can easily pay for itself 20 times over. Call me, Michael Sunoff, for more information at 858 858- I'll spend some time on the phone with you. We'll determine what audio content you're publishing. I'll be glad to offer you a free consultation on my ideas. I'll review some of your audio, and together we'll come up with a solution that gets you better results. Thanks for listening. Here is another bonus tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Did you know that I have about 25 hours of exclusive consultations on my audio clips page? letter G. If you go to hardtofindseminars.com, go to the audio clips section. This is the section where I have over 117 hours of audio interviews. Page G is nothing but consultations on information product development. You have over 25 hours of me giving my best advice on how to create, develop, produce, market, and sell audio information products. Go to page G if you want to learn how to create and market your own information products. Enjoy. There's an interview in the section of the audio recordings at Hard to Find Seminars. It's with a business buying expert. His name is Art Hamill. If you go back to my site, hardtofindseminars.com, and go to the product section, along the left side in light blue, you will see a list of topics. Look for the one that says business buying. Click on that link, and you'll be taken to about seven hours of exclusive interviews with Arthur Hamill. Arthur Hamill has purchased multi-million dollar businesses, over 200 of them in his lifetime, and he will tell you how to do the same thing. It's some fascinating content, and I wanted you to know about it. Here's another tip. It has to do with podcast. Did you know that not only are all 187 hours of my audio recordings available for free online at my website, hardtofindseminars.com, but each one of these audio recordings is also in the form of what's called a podcast. A podcast is a simple way for you to digitally and automatically subscribe to online and new recordings and have them downloaded into your mobile audio player, like an iTunes, iPod, or any other digital audio playing device. But the way you find my recordings on podcasts is by going to one of the number one sites called iTunes. iTunes is a virtual library for music, spoken word, and podcasts. The music and spoken word audios you'll pay money for, but the podcasts are absolutely 
free. And you can subscribe to my podcast. All you do is go to iTunes. You'll automatically download the iTunes software, and then you will search Michael Sinoff in the subject line, and you will find most of my audio recordings right there available for you to download. This is great if you're on the road or you're on another computer, and if you have a mobile device, it'll automatically suck them right into your digital MP3 player, and you can take any of the audio recordings on the road with you. They'll also automatically notify you of any new recordings that I post as podcasts. Also, if you search through Google or Yahoo or any of the major search engines, Michael Sinoff, and then podcast, you'll find other resources with other podcast search engines that host my podcast. I hope this helps, and if you're a podcast listener, I think you'll be happy about this. So go over to iTunes and download the iTunes software and search Michael Sinoff, and you'll have all my audio recordings available for you right there. If you'd like to hone your skills as a copywriter, I have available for you the largest collection of one of the all-time master copywriters. His name is Claude Hopkins. Do a search on Claude Hopkins or go to my website, ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com. Claude Hopkins was one of the founders of modern-day advertising. He was one of the all-time legends in the industry. And myself and a partner have authored a book called the Claude Hopkins Advertising. Collection. We have also searched thousands of newspapers to pull out all his classic ads. He's been responsible for building companies like Pepsi and Toothpaste, Palmolive, Schlitz Malt Liquor, many household products like puffed wheat cereal that you're still using in your kitchens today and he was the master and the genius behind this. He was responsible for many of the cars we drive today like the Oldsmobile. Go check it out. ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com If you want the ultimate in education on how to write copy you cannot pass this up. So go on over to ClaudeHopkinsAdvertising.com and learn from the best. Here is another bonus resource for you, and it's about a section on my site that has about 15 hours of audio interviews with copywriting experts, including Brian Keith Voiles, including Carl Galletti, including Eugene Schwartz. You will not find this content anywhere. It'll take you to an entire collection of audio recordings, MP3 downloads, and transcripts of some of my best interviews on the subject of copywriting. You'll be able to play them, download them, print the transcripts, and it's a collection you will not find anywhere else. If you want an education on copywriting, you will not find anything better than this. If you go back to my site, and in the products page, along the light blue section down on the left, you're going to see another link that has a lot of value, and it all has to do with joint ventures. Go to that page, and you're going to hear about an offer on a joint venture system like no other. If you read the letter there, it'll describe all the benefits, and the offer is virtually risk-free, meaning you can order my joint venture system, have it sent to you without paying a dime, have 30 days to review it, to digest all the information, and only if you're happy with it after 30 days do you pay. It's an offer you can't lose on, and if you're enjoying this content, you're really going to love what I have waiting for you on the joint venture link at the products page at hardtofindseminars.com. Go check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it.